This Men of Iron podcast is made possible because of sponsors like Backgate Prayers. Backgate Prayers is a company that created a tool to encourage you to pray for the ones you love. Guys, Mother's Day is coming up and this prayer tool would make an awesome gift for your wife or your mother. This unique tool helps you pray scripturally based prayers for your marriage, your kids, your loved ones. Topics include salvation, protection, joy, spiritual growth, and more. Each set of prayer cards sits in a handmade wooden block, and it's personalized with names and favorite pictures of the ones that you are praying for. So guys, if you are looking for a meaningful Mother's Day gift for your wife or your mom, definitely check them out at BatgatePrayers.com. You can use the code MENOFIRON for a 10% discount. And the last day to order to guarantee delivery by Mother's Day is April 27th. Thank you to BackgatePrayers.com. Welcome to the Men of Iron podcast, equipping men for growth in your faith, family, friends, fitness, and finances. Check out menofiron.org to learn more about how you can get involved in or support the vision of changing a culture one man at a time. Thanks for listening. Here's your host, Chad Zook. Welcome to the podcast. And we have the opportunity and treat of being able to have uh, the information and wisdom being distilled, distilled to us from Cam Hall, who is on record as being the first Canadian on the show. So welcome, Cam. Yeah, well, Canada. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And Cam is a specialist in the world of fitness and nutrition, and I have seen the proven results from his work. So once I saw the proven results from his work, I was like, I want him on here. He's an expert. He's going to inspire us and and challenge us, hopefully. And of course, one of the pillars of my work, Cam, you may or may not know this, is physical strength. So uh, I believe that that a man needs to grow intellectually, relationally, spiritually, and then physically, physical strength to do the things that a man ought to do. So uh, you you speak my language, my friend. <laughs> yeah, excellent. So, well, we will start off the podcast today by giving you the fast five. Now, um, now these have been distilled you know, with you in mind, and I want you to be honest. I know that the first question specifically, you know, you're the fitness and nutrition guy, and I know you're going to tell me like celery or something, but I'm just going to call your bluff, all right? So I'm, here's the first one. What is your favorite guilty pleasure food? Barbecue. It's a barbecue pork poutine. Oh, yeah, so nice. Fries, cheese curds, gravy, barbecued pork, lettuce, tomato, all mixed up. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I knew you'd speak my language. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So what is, the second question is this, what is an exercise that every person should do? Burpees. 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 You, can do, you can do them anywhere. It's upper body, lower body, explosive. It's hard to do. Gets the heart rate up. Burpees. I'm not yeah. going to say everybody's going to like to do it, but everybody should do it. Yeah. Yeah. I have a love hate relationship with burpees and I, I love what they produce, but I hate, I hate about the first 10. <laughs> Those seem to be, first 10, yeah. yeah. And then after that, I, maybe I'm just numb. I don't know, but I, I get it. So yeah, the great right. thing about them too, is you can modify them, right? Everybody, you can modify them to where you're at. And that's a great overall exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Great tip. Thank you for that. And so you have kids and you had to go to your office tonight because your house was kind of rowdy yeah. with your kids. So the next question is with your kids in mind. I, and I know this because I'm a dad of two and I have this song. <laughs> and I have these videos that are just etched in my memory from specifically when my son was really, really young. So this is where this question comes from and see if you can relate. What is a kid's movie or song that will haunt you in your dreams? Oh, right now it's from that Frozen 2 movie that, oh, I can't hit the note, but it's just like, it's in my head all the time. It's, my daughter's like, do you have that song in your head? I'm like, which one? And then she sings it. I'm like, ah, oh, again, yes. Like my kids are five and seven, so that's right in their wheelhouse. So oh, yeah. Frozen music, yeah, that's. <laughs> oh, man, it, it, I, cannot, I cannot get some of the Barney 
soundtracks oh. out of my head. Like, cause my son's older. So it's like, it's Barney. And I'm like the images and the whole nine yards. I just cannot get it to escape my brain. It's been years and years, but <laughs> it haunts me in my dreams still. So another question is this, you know, you are a Canadian and I know that you guys think differently and like, you, you know, just, just different than Americans at times. So I just want to see how different you are with this next question. And it's a, it's a little off the wall, but I think you'll understand. Is football played with a round ball? Is football played with not the type of football I played? <laughs> yeah, not the type of football I played. The type of football my kids play, yes. Yeah, all right, there you go. All right, so, so it's kind of like 50-50. All right. Yeah. And I know that you're a basketball player. And yeah. who, is your, who is your favorite all-time basketball player? Uh, Michael Jordan. Yeah. Michael Jordan. The GOAT. Yeah. The goat. As far as I'm concerned, he's the goat. That's my generation, right? Everybody in my generation say Michael Jordan. Yeah. Right. My brothers who are even like six years younger than me will say somebody completely different. So. Yeah. Yep. Michael Jordan, the goat. Well, you are the creator of Fight the Dad Bod. Tell us about that. How did it come about, and why that work? Why that work? Okay. Kind of backstory. I was. You alluded to. I was a. collegiate basketball player and always kind of the fit guy even growing up I was the fit guy my brothers and I all played all types of sports which is which was awesome like we enjoyed that my parents gave us that opportunity even though our parents were struggling at times and sports was always my thing and so I finished collegiate sports was still uh, in school had a couple of years of university left after I finished and I had a tough time identifying identifying like who I was Mm. and part of that struggle was oh I was always Cam the fit guy so I just got deep into working out and wanting to look fit and jacked and I'm a guy in my early 20s and mid 20s and that's Mm. how I wanted to be and so I pretty much tried anything I could to uh, keep that look like I didn't put any like anything pharmaceutical or anything in my body but I would food wise I I was just eating to get a desired look. And so I would eat chicken breast and carrots and rice every three hours or four hours. I'd be on the golf course with my buddies and my would go off and I'd go to my golf bag and get the chicken breast out. And they'd be like, what are you doing? All because I wanted this this look, right? Really shallow existence, actually. And and so I just I my value, my personal value was found in how I looked. And so great until I got to be 30 years old. And when I was 30, I got married and my wife, who's also an ex-collegiate uh, basketball player, we're pretty fit, get to the gym five days a week, we're pre-portioning all, all our meals, everything was good. And you, about, yeah, about 10 months later, 11 months later, Maya was born, my, my daughter. So mm. she was born in 2012. And after she was born, we're like, oh, yeah, we'll be fine. We'll still get to the gym. And we'll still be able to make everything work. And it just didn't work out that way. And after Maya was born, I really struggled. I really struggled with balancing health and fitness and nutrition and being a dad and being a husband and being a professional and like my job. And I had started a new master's degree program. And so everything came together. So I... Um, put on about 28 pounds after Maya was born about eight mm. months struggled with that from coming from a shallow background where I equate equated my, my value and who I was to how I looked that played a huge part mentally on me. And so I struggled. And so I went back to my old bad habits. I did in my early twenties and mid twenties to mm. lose weight and get shredded. And I was able, like I struggled, but I was able to lose that weight. And then my son was born in 2014 Mm -hmm. and everything I'd lost came back. And I was just like, so frustrated. I was really struggling and through conversations, I was just like, man, I I can get through this. And I met some people along the way and we can get into that later, but like met some people along the way, found out how to eat properly, started to get some amazing results and was so excited. I wanted to share with other people. And I happened to be out with some buddies and we, sorry, I just hit my water bottle. We, We were out, for some nachos after a basketball game, we're sitting there and some guy, one of my great friends says, oh, I'm just gonna give in to the dad bod. And I'm like, no, man, fight that dad bod. Like, get rid of it. Mm. Like, man, fight the dad bod. Like, <laughs> that works. It. Went home that night, something just stuck in my head. I'm like, this is my, 
if I want to send this out to men and I want this to be my messaging, I think this is a great platform. This is in 2015. Yeah. So what do you do in 2015 when you have a good idea? You run to the computer, you buy all the domains, you get the social media handles, yeah. don't know what you're doing, but you start with that. And that's where Fight the Dabod was born. And so there's a backstory to that with the nutrition side of it and how it really came to be. But that's Fight the Dabod, all committed to helping fathers that fit healthy, fulfilled lives with their family through fitness and nutrition and lifestyle yeah. and that balance it takes to, to be a good dad. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you know, the, it's just such amazing thing. Thank you for sharing your story and, and walking us through that. I think there's so many connectors with that. I think the identity piece, I think it's so easy to take on a false identity, right? I think it's so easy, especially guys who want to be fit. I mean, there's some guys who just take on the identity, like I'm the dad bod, I've got, you know, love handles and a gut and that's just who I am and that's who I'm going to be. And sometimes there's a, there's a false identity piece there, but I also think there's a false identity piece, you know, in every, in every gym, it's, there's somebody striving for something. And I guess it gets down to desire. It's like, what is, what's driving that behavior? I mean, of course there's nothing wrong with being fit and, and wanting to look shredded, but at the end of the day, it's like, why if that becomes your identity and I'm glad you said the word shallow because that's kind of what I was thinking too it's like if that's your identity oh. I'm like wow man what happens when you age man I was I was lost in that period of that period of my life man I was lost 2000 mm -hmm. 2002 to <laughs> 2015 yeah right like 13 years of my life where I struggled okay. uh, especially like, yeah, with my health, my focus, my identity being yeah. rooted back into my faith and my family's background and things I'd gone through. And I just didn't know how to deal with it all. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I thought I could control was how I looked. Right. It's just like people know me as Cam, the gym guy. Like that was important to me. I had value. I was, I was the, the, the guy that people would come to in the gym be like, Hey, how do you do that? Like, what are you doing? Or I'd work out one day and I'd come back in the gym the next day and I'd see somebody doing the exercise I did before. Cause they had been watching and mm. you know, not that type of stuff made you feel good. Even though everything in the background of your life, these people don't know it's just falling apart. Yeah. Right? And, so and it's like the, that ego then feeds the false identity. Attention, the ego, you know, I'm in my twenties, attention from girls and, and right. women, I got like a bartending job, man. I, my mom would have killed me. Like, you know, <laughs> like just what I was going through in that period of time was just, yeah, yeah tough. Yeah, it, it reminds me actually of a, of a book that has really rocked my world. I read it last year and it, in the book, the author talks about the spirituality of the two halves of life. And, and I just wonder if, that's, if that isn't part of your story because what he says in the first assuming that he's right. Okay. So I realize it's an author and it's a book and all this and his opinion and, you know, in his perspective and years of working with men particularly, but he talks about the spirituality of the first of, of the two halves of life. And he says, the first half of your life is we we're trying to build a container and we're trying to figure out what our identity is. And we put on all sorts of masks as to who we're trying to be and, and what we're trying to do. And sometimes it's, I want to be the fit guy. Sometimes it's, I want to be the, the, you know, women chasing beer drinking guys. Sometimes it's, I want to be a dad. Sometimes it's a car guy, a truck guy, a football the millionaire guy. entrepreneur. I'm going to do the online. Like, yeah, yeah, there's different ways to mask it. Yeah. And he says that there's another, the only way to get into the second half of life is he says there has to be a crisis and what he calls as a death. Like there's something that you realize that your identity is actually faulty. And the thing that, that pivots you to something that is better is, is that death. Now, sometimes it's a physical death. Sometimes it's an ailment. Sometimes it's, a, it's just a perspective change. I mean, it doesn't have to be a physical death, of course, but two halves of life. If not, it only one half of life. But he says that the beautiful thing is in, in the first half of, of life, spiritually speaking, you, you're trying to put on all these, these masks to figure out what your identity is. But it's after this crisis point that you realize that what your true identity is and the purpose behind it. And it sounds like you're walking in that reality because now you, you know, you went to the internet and you found that, you know, you, you bought the domain and you're like, okay, we're going to do this. But you, you automatically in, 
that's what it sounds like in your story anyway, Cam, that you automatically thought, how can I help another guy with this? Yeah, I, I, I saw other guys struggling with what I was struggling with, right? Yeah. And at that point in time <clears throat> in my life, like my profession, I was going through a tough time. I had now a two-year-old, a brand new newborn. I was a brand new vice principal in a school. I was finishing a master's degree and everything was just piling on. Um, my mom was really ill at the time, battling cancer. And so it was just like the stress on my shoulders. And then I needed something. I needed a release. I needed a way out. And I almost left education and my profession that year. It was a tough year in my job. And all these things just came together. And it was that conversation. And then I went to a, a, that January 2015, I went to a health and wellness conference with my wife to support her and what she was doing and her fitness stuff with no interest in going. I just needed to get out and get a break from what I was doing. And so I was at this conference. Um, there was a speaker there. His name's Mark McDonald. He was up on stage, the keynote. There's like 4,000 people there. And it was really cool and lots of energy and positivity. And he's down off the, the stage for a little bit after. My, my wife wants to, my wife Kim wants to go introduce herself because there's been like a, a very loose internet connection there, like email back and forth through a mentor that we had. Okay. And so I said, well, let's just wait. We're not doing anything. Let's just wait in line. So we get up to the front of the line and say, hey, Mark, my name's Cam. This is my wife, Kim. We're from Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. She has a brand called K-Fit Mummy, and she's working with moms. She, he just interrupts me. He's like, you're K-Fit Mummy? Great to meet you. Wow. Give her a big hug. Gives me a hug. He's like, hey, you're a big guy. Kind of gives me the thing on the arm. My, my brain, I just needed somebody just to, like, give me a boost, a little bit of energy. Hmm. And then we sat down with him a little bit after that. He said, Hey, here's my cell phone number. We're going to connect. And so we connected after that. And he said, Hey, you don't seem like you're in a good spot. And so I'm like, well, so I told him my story. The backstory is like, we, we got to get you right, man. We got, here's how you're going to do it. Here's how you're going to eat. Here's the science behind it. I know you're a science guy, Cam. I know you have this background in kinesiology and all this, but this is what you need to do. And hmm. just trust me. And so I did it for eight weeks and uh, yeah, lost the weight that I was losing, felt great, slept better, had more energy, felt less stressed. And that's when I was like, yeah, I got to help other guys do the same because I saw other guys going down the exact same path I was going down. And that's, yeah, with Fight the Dabba, I'm like, man, I'm just going to shout this out and help this, <laughs> you know, but nobody wanted to hear it at that point because it was new and it was young and it was like novel and my friends didn't believe me because they're just like, oh, this is Cam's idea. He's just running away. And then you start to help people one at a time, these groups, these small groups, the university athletes, and it starts to build, right? You build this yeah. momentum. And then every single person you see get results is just that little bit of spark to keep you moving. So yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. It is. And my work with men, it's the same thing. Whenever you see a man get it, you know, uh, to just have the light bulb come on, whatever they their struggle is in that time and maybe asking for advice or just in a group setting or something like that. When you see, when you see a man get it, it's a powerful thing and it's a motivator for me. And it's just so encouraging. You're like, it's a reminder. Hey, that's why you have all these late nights. That's the, that's the reason why you did all this study. And that's also the reason why you need to look for another guy <laughs> to do it again. And you know, exactly. But it's not easy, right? I'm saying, I'm saying this and I'm excited about it, but it's not easy. Like no. being a dad is tough work. Having, being a dad and having a full-time job and, we have all these other responsibilities that we start to prioritize things mm. and where I was in my, what I found, and this is just my example and I'm sure other guys are going to see the same thing in their lives is that at first you're here, right? You're in your twenties. You're, you're, you're the priority. Then you start dating and then you have a wife yeah. and then you get like, you get married and then that's like, okay, now there's two of us. Now what are we going to do? And then now you have children. And what's slowly happening is you go from up here to under this one, and then under this one, this one, and now my job, now my responsibilities financially, your work now, your nutrition, your personal health, silently gets pushed further and further down your priority list. Yeah. Until you realize in your mid thirties, now that you're 30 pounds overweight, you're like, oh man, what happened? When your kids are old enough to see pictures of you and like, dad, that was you? You were in shape. What happened? Right? Mm -hmm. Like I've had so many men that I've worked with say that to me. It's like, my kids are 
10, 12 years old now, and they look at old pictures of me, even from when they were little, like infants, dad, you were ripped or dad, you were in good shape. Or why don't we do those activities we did a long time ago? Why don't we, today I went skiing with my kids. Dad, why don't we go skiing like you used to? Mm. Oh, it's, it's tough. And then it's just this light goes on and guys like, oh man, I need to take control of this. Yeah. They have, yeah. they have a health scare too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and that is, you know, and if they do have a health scare, hopefully they learn from it and then make whatever changes necessary yeah. after. But that, you know, it, and I say this over and over and over, usually what it takes for a man to change is pain, Yeah. you know, and it's, it's unfortunate. And so I'm trying to, in my work, I'm trying to minimize the pain, you know, and, and help and, and be as proactive as I can because being proactive is easier on the person than being reactive. If you're reactive, you've already made some mistakes and you know this, you know, with your work that, uh, that it's difficult in that way. Let me ask you this question. I just kind of pivot just a little bit. How has your faith informed what you do as far as fitness and nutrition? This is an interesting question because this is where we got to rewind a little bit. So when I said I was lost, it was like 2002. So I grew up in a Christian home. Okay. Uh, great examples of my parents and my mom and my dad. My dad worked hard. My dad, my dad, we didn't have a lot of money. That's a cliche for people to say, but yeah. we, we lived, grew up in Calgary, Alberta. It's a city of about a million and a half people. And then we, when I was 13 years old, we just couldn't afford to live there anymore. So my parents moved out to a small town called Three Hills. So we go from like big city to an acreage in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And the biggest town is like 3,000 people. And so that's where we go. But in that town, there's a private school, a Bible college, Prairie Bible College at the time. And it was my parents' dream for us to go to this school. And they had like an elementary, junior high, high school and Bible college. and mm. There, so there was a like prairie in Three Hills, and then there was like the public school, but my parents can afford to send us to prairie, so we went to the public school and we moved to Three Hills. My dad worked in construction, still works in construction, 60 years old, still working in drywall and construction. Wow. Uh, my mom at that time was a waitress in a coffee shop. And so they struggled to make ends meet, but gave us the opportunity and the love and support that I had no idea how tough things were until I was a man, and I looked back and I asked my parents some tough questions, and like what was it like they don't give us all the details and then i went back for a high school reunion and i went went by the old house that we grew up we lived in there my parents rented houses and i just looked at it i was like whoa like it is run down so i said take a picture send it to my dad I said, dad did it look like this when we lived here he's like yeah we tried our best to like keep it up and like the roof was like saying it man it was eye-opening for me given the opportunities that I had had. So anyway, so we had gone to three Hills and so ended up being able to go to Prairie, this Christian junior high school in grade nine, and then moved into the high school, went to a Christian high school, went to one year of Bible college. Wasn't the plan originally was going to go play university of volleyball actually mm-hmm. instead at the university of Calgary. And then the coach at that college said, Hey, if you come play basketball, you're better at it than volleyball anyway then you'll, you'll start every game. You're a freshman. You'll be great. Like your mom's on, my mom was working in the guest house at that point, which is like the on-campus hotel. Okay. So I could go to school for half price and it just all worked out. Right. So I grew up in this very sheltered community, um, supported by people around me, but really had this odd feeling of Christianity and faith. Um, when you grow up, when you're in that environment, it feels a little bit like a bubble. Hey, like everybody around you believes the same thing, does the same thing. And for anyone who's gone to church and been part of that community, it has its own little fragmented pieces, right? right. It's really interesting. Um, I got recruited to go to another university. So I left, I transferred, went back into Calgary, played at Mount Royal university and it was Mount Royal college at the time, but it's a university now. And so I went in there. Here I come out of Three Hills, Alberta, into Calgary, back into the big city, living with a couple guys I don't know, walk onto the basketball team in a very urban environment. Um, I was the only white guy on my team. And coming from a small town in Alberta, like that was 
that was odd, right? And so I made some great friends and great connections and started to make, to learn a lot about the world and acceptance in all these different things. And then part of that too, I was just inundated with all these, you know, going out to the club, being part of the basketball team on the road trip, getting into the booze, like doing that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And my background and my family, who was still out in Three Hills, just got further and further and further from me. And then I was just finishing off my, my time at that school. I had finished my, was finishing off my first degree, a Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology, and um, was almost done playing. And my mom, in 2002, uh, got diagnosed with multiple myeloma. So mm. bone marrow cancer, a form of bone marrow cancer. Uh, mm. You're American, so my, Tom Brokaw, same, mm. ca- same cancer that Tom Brokaw got. So um, not curable. The way they found it is my mom was, Oh, 2012, my mom was 41. <clears throat> and so she went in complete renal failure. Kidney shut down. They didn't know what was going on. <clears throat> Airlifted her to a hospital. That's when they did the biopsies. They found out that she had cancer. Uh, she needed a full stem cell transplant. Wow. This was shocking. I was away from home. My brothers were back in home. One of my brothers had, was just graduating high school. The other one was grade nine. It was, shock- it was traumatic for our family. And they gave my mom six to eight months. Like if this stem cell transplant doesn't work six to eight months, devastating for us. And as a young man who was already struggling with some things with my faith, Hmm. I expected the church community in three Hills to surround our family and to help us. And from my perspective, they didn't push it. So I, I felt like they had pushed us away. Like they had, didn't want to get involved because they didn't know what to say. My brother was going through hard times now in, in high school and people weren't super supportive of him. Chris, my other brother was out in Kelowna, a beautiful place, but people were like, oh, he's just running and doing his thing. And I thought, thought there was a lot of judge, judgment happening. Mm-hmm. And I got so bitter. I stopped going to church 2002, fall 2002. Last time I went to church was at a big church in Calgary called Center Street Church, 22 years old walk into this church. It's a Sunday night. And I felt like I was in a speed dating service. Like, honestly, it was, it wasn't to go to church to worship. It felt like I was going there. Who's here. Who's here. Who's here. Did I introduce you to this? Did I introduce you to so-and-so? I was like, I'm over this man. Like the only, this sounds really bad, but the only at that time as a 22 year old guy, who's struggling with my faith and had been living a very worldly life. It's like the only thing different than this and Saturday night is they don't sell alcohol here. Like, right. That's, and, but that's coming from a very better perspective, right? Sure. Now that I, I'm beyond, I look back and I just realize how foolish I was in that time. I know that the people in our church weren't treating us that way. It was that I was actually, because of this situation, pushing them away. Mm. I didn't want to hear their support. I didn't want them. It's like, don't feel sorry for me. You know, like, I don't feel sorry for And they didn't. They just cared about us. They wanted to. I wonder, like, where that groceries on my front step would show up from them. Well, it's from the people in our community who supported us and loved us. I didn't see that till I was older. So 2002 fall, 2003 stopped going to church. Didn't step back into a church until I'm getting shaky in my voice. Didn't step in back into church until uh, October, 2018. Wow. And so how my faith has played into my fitness journey I was lost. 2003, I was lost. I needed something that I could rely on, something I could identify, something that would prop me up above other people. Mm. And I used my fitness to do that. And when my daughter was born, my mom uh, went through a stem cell transplant back in 2002, successful. She saw weddings. She saw grandchildren. Uh, My mom passed away October 2015. So my son was a year, just over a year. My daughter was three uh, they got to meet grandma. It, it's, it's very cool. But I think when I got married and my mom was there and my wife at the time was not a Christian and I see my mom witness to her and love her and didn't matter what, like just welcome her in. And no matter what my mom went through, she was always steady in her faith. She always loved Christ and loved God and just, everything was for a reason and and i started to see i was like 30 years old getting married and i was like wait a second like 
there's more to this than just looking good. And then, yeah, kids were born. My mom passed away in 2015, happened to be coinciding when the time this started. And I was like, you know what? I have to live my life with purpose. Mm -hmm. So what is my purpose going to be? That's part of the fight the dad bod story is what am I called to do? Yeah. Right. And I still struggled, right? I didn't want to go back into church. I get, I'd honestly go to go to church again and get the shakes and just like get nervous like this. I don't know. Right. You do. I don't know what it was. So I just pushed it away. And then my wife who wasn't a Christian, but my, had been witnessed to by my mom said, we have two kids. Your mom would love us to raise them in a Christian home. Why don't we go back to church? I looked at her. I was like, okay, let's just do it. And it was, that was on like a Friday, went to church on Sunday, been going since found a great church community here. It's amazing. Made great friends. Then I find out I work in a high school. So I'm the vice principal of a high school. And so we have 113 teaching staff find out like seven of them go to this church and they see me. They're like, we didn't know that you were a Christian. I'm like, well, let me tell you the story, <laughs> you know, but, but uh, anyway, long story and I'm rambling on, but my faith and my fitness were separated for a long time. Yeah. And when fight the dad bod started and I started to feel like I was called to a purpose, it started to come back together and I've never felt healthier I've never felt more alert and supported and mindful of where I was going than I do right now with my faith and my fitness and my health all aligned. Wow. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. that I yeah. mean, that's great. And it takes a lot of, of courage and humility, honestly, to, to kind of walk that journey and, and then the pain of, of losing your mom. I'm sorry you lost your mom. I've also lost my mom and it's, it's hard. And, you know, 13 years, right? So you had 13 years with her after she was first diagnosed. Yeah. And that, that, you know, that is an incredible gift when given that diagnosis of six to nine months and then, and then be able to, to do that. And then the treatments worked. And I mean, it's, you know, she's, she's gone now, of course, but, but it is a gift that you had. Absolutely. For those 13. Well, let me just ask you this, just in the realm of being a dad, what, you know, you are a family man. How many kids do you have? Two, Maya and Braylon, seven and five. Yeah, seven and five. That's right. <laughs> and uh, so your house is active. So what's the best part about being a dad? Being active. I think that is the best part. Like, I love, I have a shiner right now. We're joking. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's quite the black eye. And um, that didn't even come from like being active and wrestling with my son. That came from story time and him headbutting me. But I love being active with my kids. I love setting a good example. And I think we love to hike and camp and ski and swim and all these things because it brings us together. Yeah. And, it, and when you have, I, I could just have my family and never talk to anyone again. I'd be so happy. Right. Mm-hmm. Like once you're a dad, you just feel like, now you have a new purpose and you see these kids growing up and I got to live my life, you know, in a way that is going to, you know, exemplify what, what God has done in my life through the the ups and the downs in my life. But I'm going to show them how to be a strong human being and a strong man and a strong father. And I I love that part of it. Um, But being active as a family and just seeing my kids work hard and explore and new things. It's, it's great. Yeah, it is. I, you know, you mentioned camping, camping and hiking and those things are, I mean, they are awesome to do as a family or to do with your kids because, you know, with camping, I just think about this and I still camp on a regular basis and my kids are a little bit older, so they don't really go as much. I actually camp with my dad. My dad lives in Illinois and I live in Georgia. So he actually drives down. So now I camp with my brother who lives in Georgia now as well. But when we camp, it's, it's the same as what it used to be when my kids were younger. It's like, everybody has a job. There's work to be done. Yeah. Everybody has a job. You get together and you know, you sit around a campfire. Most likely the phones are off because you're off doing something or you're hiking. Maybe you don't even have a cell signal. So it's like, Hey, don't have that distraction anymore. And yeah, we've just had some, we've had some great conversations while hiking. My son and I did, uh, I think 45 miles. I think that's what the mileage or 54 or something like that. 
on the Appalachian Trail uh, his junior year. And we kind of set out to do that. And it was a, a week long thing that we did and just took our time and, you know, just just walked the trail. Let me tell you, it was so memorable conversation that we had. And we still talk about that trip. That's amazing. And, uh, and just unplugging like that is, is just a really good thing. Let me ask you this question, Kim. You know, we, we've talked about this and uh, we kind of talked around this rather, but why is it that you think that men put their own fitness on the back burner? I, th- I feel that men feel that that's expected of them. I think mm-hmm. guys feel like I have to be a dad. That's more important than taking care of my health. Mm-hmm. And that sounds silly when you say it that way. But sure. no, really, like things, life gets busy. And I got I to gotta take care of my wife. I got to provide for my wife. Got to make sure she's all good. I got to take care of my kids. I got to make sure they're healthy, that they're provided for, that they're eating well, that they're clothed, that they're safe. I got to do all those things. And we, we put ourselves in this provider kind of role without um, taking care of ourselves. Because I think part of it's society that has this expectation that as a dad, you need to be responsible for these things. Right. Part of it is we just put it on ourselves that it's selfish of me to take an hour out of my day and go to the gym. It's, an, it's selfish of me to say, I'm going to eat this way when my family doesn't want to eat that way, which I don't teach that. I eat exactly the same foods I do with my kids. We have the same breakfast, the same lunches, the same snacks. Mm-hmm. And it's all based on what I teach because that's what it, I think I think is harder than it is. I right. think they really do. I think, oh, that's going to take so much time. And I don't want to take that time because my time is my most valuable asset. And I want to allocate it to my family. Right. But you can do it together, right? You can do it together. It's not being selfish. And your health is everything. If you don't have your health, you have nothing. Right. Like, as a dad, I, my favorite, I said my favorite thing about being, well, being a dad is being active with my kids. Well, if I'm not able to do that, that's going to be a huge hit for me. But I think you guys put themselves on the back burner because I think one, they feel like they're expected to mm. and two, they, they, they feel guilty, a little bit selfish if they make them themselves a priority. And just touching on like my past too, maybe they feel a bit vain. Hey, it's not about me looking fit or having a six pack and being that. Yeah. But confidence has a huge way, like pulls a lot of weight when you're with your kids. Right. When your kids see you and you're confident and you're physically active and you just carry yourself differently than if you're lethargic and you have no energy and you're not sleeping well, right? It's just all of that stuff comes into play. Yeah. I thought one of the things that you said that I really want to talk about too, and it's, it's, it's so easy that it's overlooked. You said that you eat the same food as your kids. Yeah. I just eat more of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> exactly. You know, but I think some guys, they, you know, they try and make it, it more complicated. It's like, well, I'm going to eat what I'm going to eat. And then I'm not going to, I'm not quote unquote, I'm not going to make my family eat what I'm eating because I'm making these choices. Then all of a sudden now you've just added another stress. So now you're not only providing food for or making food for you, but also them and you're pitting yourself against them and you're not helping them to have a healthier lifestyle. Exactly. And that's, that's why I teach nutrition as food, as fuel yes. and not food as a tool to lose weight. That's the difference between having a plan and a program versus having a diet because we think what we're seeing, I see it on social media. You see it in your Facebook feed. You see whatever is I got to, I got to eliminate carbohydrates to lose weight. I got to starve myself for hours of a day and only eat within this window to lose weight. Mm-hmm. These are the only ways that I can do it at my age to lose weight. And it's completely false. It's just, but we're hit with all this advertising that tells us that's the only way that do it. And that's why I teach guys, hey, no, you just need to know what to eat, when to eat it, how to make it work with your family and see that your body is designed to digest and metabolize food this way and use food as fuel and not as a tool to lose weight. And then guys start losing weight and they're like, oh, hey, the first bit's hard. Learning it's hard. Making it a priority and building in the structures and the routines and the strategies and the experience, that's hard. But nothing worth doing is ever easy, right? Right. So that's why I do 12-week programs with guys because after that 12 weeks, hey, we're together. We're working through it. Um, 
but then it becomes part of your lifestyle. They'll say, Hey, this is easy now. Like this is, this is just what we do. And mm. it's awesome. It's awesome seeing that. Yeah. And it's just a new rhythm, you know, in, in creating a new rhythm in that change, it is hard, Yeah. but it, it's, and I think that, that we have to do as many things as we can to make it as easy as we can. That's where accountability comes in too. Oh, for that's sure. Where, that's where accountability comes in. Guys will try something. It gets hard. Then they start to doubt themselves. They start to fall off. It's like on a diet, right? So you go on a diet, you eliminate carbohydrates because you think ketosis is the way to go. Right. Eliminate carbohydrates, your blood sugar drops. When your blood sugar drops, you start releasing hormones that break down muscle tissue into energy. Then when you do that, your metabolism slows down. When your mm. metabolism slows down, you're craving carbohydrates because you need the glucose to boost your metabolism. So now cravings kick in. You give into those cravings. You start to store fat. Your blood sugar spikes, and you hit the top, and you're doing it all over again. And guys go through that cycle because it's diet, starve, craving, give in, repeat. And they're like, I can't do this. Instead of having step by steps, where you're, instead of going in a circle, you're going up a staircase, and you have someone along the way with you to say, Hey, no, this is what you gotta do next. All right, you tripped, you stumbled. No big deal. Your life is a long time. We're gonna hit the next meal, we're going to do it again. Here's where we're going to go. Right. So if, if I were coming in to, now I am, I'm pretty active, but, uh, yeah. and I, I work out about five days a week and I run and do some, just what I call functional training, body weight stuff. I also do lift, lift some weights, but if, you know, say I, I'm moderate, I'm healthy, yeah. but, but I have some goals in mind uh, it, just to, to become more healthy and to be more aware of my food. What are two or three steps that you would tell a guy to kind of start them off on their journey? Okay. So same thing I would tell the guys that I work with, right? Depends on where your starting point is. But if it's someone who's just starting from scratch, like, yeah, maybe they're, they haven't worked out at all. Maybe they're working out. It doesn't matter because food will always be your foundation. Because hmm. okay? like, everything we do, everything we put into our body, whether I have a bag of chips, or have an apple, our body's going to metabolize that in some form of fuel. Do you want to put regular or do you want to put premium in your body, right? That depends on yeah. when you want to look at it. So both of those, you're going to take them in, you're going to eat them, and your body's going to digest those as carbohydrates, okay? One is going to spike your blood sugar. It's high in fat, saturated fats, right? One is the unhealthy carbohydrate choice, mm -hmm. but it's a carb. The other one is a healthy carb, carb choice, right? It's got natural, naturally occurring sugars. It's not going to spike your blood sugar. It's still going to fuel your body, give it the ATP that it needs, right? So it's that education piece. But the things I would tell a guy to do first is fuel consistently. So that's what, eat more often than you are eating now. Mm -hmm. People are like, oh, I've heard this before. But no, really, you, you need to not eat as much, but eat more often. So I would say start with this. Start with balancing every plate with proteins, carbohydrates, and fat. All three are super important for your metabolism, right? Protein is the building blocks. That's right. how we're going to build muscle tissue. That's how we're going to repair tissues that are breaking down, right? That's where we get like, all the amino acids coming from proteins. Then we have our carbohydrates. That's our fuel source. Everything we do, whether it's breathing, hugging our loved ones, it doesn't matter, requires fuel, requires ATP. And the only place to get that is from carbohydrates. So you need carbs. And then fat aids in slowing digestion and helps with vitamin absorption. We need fat. You need fat to burn fat. And so by balancing, and for most guys, a good place to start would be five ounces of protein, five ounces of carbohydrates, one to two ounces of fat. And that's a good place to start. Now try to do that more often, balancing the plates in the meals that you have now. Now that you can do that, now add another meal in. And you're aiming for a window of every three to three and a half hours. Okay, so every three to three and a half hours, you're gonna do that. You're gonna have your protein, your fat, and your carbohydrate. I call it PFC every three. Proteins, fats, and carbs every three hours. Okay. Now what does that look like? So let's walk through a day. How do my kids and I have the same meals every day? So we wake up, we have breakfast. I'll have, I'll have three, I'm, I'm 6'4", 225. So I'm a little bit bigger, so my portion size is a little bit higher. But like, so I have two eggs. I like scrambled eggs, so I have two whole eggs. Then I'll have some oatmeal. So five ounces of oatmeal is about half a cup of dried oatmeal, right? Okay. So that's your protein, your fat, and your eggs. 
your carbohydrates and your oatmeal. Some days I don't want oatmeal, so I'll have two pieces of gluten-free bread. Does it have to be gluten-free? No, but gluten makes me bloated, so I don't go with gluten. So I have two eggs, gluten-free bread. Some days maybe I'm getting up and we're going to the ski hill like we did today, so I get up and make a smoothie. So then we use Greek yogurt and berries and spinach, and I'll put a couple scoops of powdered protein in it, honey, like, and we blend it up. It's got a balance of proteins, fats, and carbs. Now my kids will get up in the morning for breakfast, and while I'm making my eggs, I'll make my eggs, I'll make them eggs. They have eggs. I have oatmeal. My son likes Cheerios. So he's a kid. He's five. Of course he likes Cheerios, right? But it's a carbohydrate. He's not putting extra sugar on it. I think if I were to show my kids right now that you can put, sh- I used to put sugar on my cereal as a kid, they'd be like mind blown. About <laughs> they just didn't grow up that way, right? So then they go through, that's our breakfast, proteins, fats, and carbs. Mm. I go to work, my snack, snacks and meals, same thing. No matter what you put in your mouth, you're going to metabolize it. The only difference I call snacks and meals, meals take longer to prepare. Snacks are easy, grab and go. Okay. Now, I'll rely on like a powdered protein when I'm at work. Um, But another way to get it, uh, quick protein is hard-boiled eggs is one. Chicken breast that you can heat up is another. Um, My kids have natural cheese, like cheese strings. And so my kids will have a cheese string or they'll have a yogurt and they'll have some berries. So they have their protein and their fat and their carb. Lunch is normally leftovers from the night before, so it's usually a meat, and even sometimes we'll do vegan recipes. So vegan recipe with high-protein sources, we we usually plan our lunches by having leftovers from the night before. My mid-afternoon snack looks a lot like the mid-morning snack, usually powdered protein and apple and some cashews, so a protein, carbohydrate, cashews are fat. Dinner, one of us, my wife or I will cook, whoever's home first. Make sure it's a balance of proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. A lot of people don't know the difference. So a protein, think of like animal protein, right? Animal protein, fish, turkey, chicken, venison, beef, like all of it, hemp. Um, You can get get protein from plant sources, but you got to eat a lot of it, right? And I have guys who do my plan that are vegetarian or vegan, and they, they rock it. They do well. It's just we got to be careful on the balance. Carbohydrates, anything fruits and vegetables. If it grows, it's a carb. Really, it's an easy way to look at it. Um, and then your fats could be like avocado, coconut oil, macadamia oil, uh, extra virgin olive oil, mixed nuts, natural curing nut butters, like those types of things. And then okay. we always balance our plate with some free foods, so salad and like dressings and herbs and spices. Um, we stay away from a lot of salt and sodium based stuff, but it, it's easy to do once you're doing it. Like I'm just rambling. I could just say go through a week, like what we do for a week, mm. but that takes practice. It wasn't easy when I first did it, but the fact that my kids know, I think the fact that my kids know that, Hey, this doesn't have a protein, fat or carb in it. And they're five and seven, a little bit concerning, but also a little bit awesome, right? That they know how to fuel their body the same. Yeah, and I guess the do you do you allow your kids to have any cheat days or oh, cheat yeah. meals or that kind oh, of thing? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay, so candy in our house is a thing because my wife loves candy. I'm not a big candy fan. I'm a chocolate guy though. Like chocolate is my thing. Which, by the way, hey, if you have chocolate cravings, you're low part of it, low blood sugar. So have a have something to bring your blood sugar up. So protein, fat, and carb right? Feel consistently you'll have those cravings. But if you have a chocolate craving too, still, you could be low in magnesium. So almonds are high in magnesium. There's other things that are high in magnesium, so that will help. Um, or just have dark chocolate. <laughs> like there's sometimes I'll go to the break, <laughs> break off a piece of dark chocolate and have it because you just, we do that. So yeah, our kids, our kids are kids. Like today we went to the ski hill. Uh, we we pre-packed our, our meal. So we had yogurts and hard-boiled eggs. I had two protein bars for me. A uh, couple of cheese strings for the kids, apples, banana, orange, some mixed nuts. Like we just had this whole variety of stuff. Make sure we had balance of everything. But my kids also had Hershey Kisses. So like it's right. like, because it was just Valentine's and they got chocolate. Like they, they do that. Every Friday night we have family night. We do popcorn in a movie. It's, you know, you can live your life. You don't, you don't, uh, that's the thing. A diet, you're a slave to what you're eating. Yeah. Oh, I can't eat that. I can't eat that right now. I'm not drinking that right now. A plan, 
oh, I'm not eating that right now. I'm not drinking that right now. You're in control of it, right? So do you want to be controlled by your food or do you want to control your food? And a plan controls your food. And so then when you go to a restaurant with your family and you have the pizza or I love prime ribs, so you have the prime rib and you have that, you know, three hours from now, I'm jumping right back on plan. I'm going to rock my health, right? So it's, it's about living a healthy lifestyle too. Yeah. So with that, you know, I know that there, I mean, there's so many, so many fads and fitness fads and diets and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, you've given us some really practical things. What would you, and not, not that what you're saying is not a fad. That's not where I'm going with this, of course, but, um, but with some of the fads that, that go around, you know, they say, well, you know, you're going to be whatever on diet on plan is some of the terminology six days a week. And then there's one day it's a cheat day. I hate the term cheat day. I heard I, you gotta have a, I'm a guy who in my twenties had a really negative relationship with food. Mm. I was literally starving myself to get a desired look, have a cheat day. I'd run to a local ice cream store and get this massive milkshake and just crush it. Cause I was just craving all these things. Cause I had low blood sugar. Just the, the terminology cheat day makes it sound like you're doing something wrong. Right. You know, if you're eating, you can't feel guilt about what you're eating. You got to have a positive. You can go on plan or off plan. What are you going to do? If you're off plan, you've made that choice. You know it. You don't have to feel guilty about it because you know you're going to jump back on plan. Now the trouble becomes, when, oh, I'm just going to go off plan or I'm just going to go off plan here and I'm going to go off plan here. Then you've lost your focus and that's where the accountability and coaching comes in a lot of times. But then you've lost your focus and you lost your priorities. Is your priority the food now? Is your priority living healthy? So we got to flip that back, right? You're controlling the food. Don't let the food control you. So if you're going to say, oh, I'm off plan and you see something else, oh, I'm going to off plan. I'm going to go off plan here. Well, who's in control there, right? You're not in control. So I work with guys on that too a lot of the time, but I hate the term cheat day because you're not doing anything wrong. You're just living your life and you just need to have the education piece behind it to know how to jump back on plan. Yeah. I think the the term cheat day, I'm with you and I agree that, you know, I agree with what you said totally actually, because I think that it just makes you want to long for that. Then it becomes the forbidden fruit, right? Then it's, Hey, you can't have that. Oh, you can't have that. No, no, no. You can't have that today. You have to wait until Saturday. That's the cheat day. And then all of a sudden you're, what I've found is the motivation flips and it's like, well, why am I cheating myself of eating this food any other day? Because you're not on plan. It's, you know, it's that forbidden fruit, not being fruit. Most likely it's something processed or it's junk food, but it's like whatever the forbidden thing is. And then you want it more and more and more and more and more. I was, I was actually thinking you were going to talk about the body chemistry that it changes when you have a cheat day, when, you, when you're on plan for six days, and then you're like, no, we're just going to carve it up, or we're just going to crush this pizza, or we're going to do, you know, this is a day, it doesn't matter. And, and then I just wonder what that does to your physiology on that day, and how long it actually takes to stabilize again. Could you speak into that? Yeah, so okay. So let's think about starting in the morning. Okay, so you, you're eating your PFC every three, you're on plan, your blood sugar's stabilized. You go to bed, you metabolize while you sleep, right? You don't build muscle in the gym, you tear apart muscle in the gym, you build muscle when you recover. Mm-hmm. So you're putting your body under stress, whether it's physical stress in the gym or it's mental stress at work, it doesn't matter. When you sleep, you recover. And so you're connecting neural pathways, you're connecting muscle tissue and repairing. Your body needs fuel for that. So... If you're thinking like, I put my hands like this. If down here's 80 milligrams per deciliter of blood, glucose in your blood at any time, here's 120. Science has shown us that your body is optimally functioning between 80 and 120. When you wake up in the morning, you've been sleeping probably for six to eight, nine hours, your blood sugar is going to be low, if not below 80, which is normal, right? You've been metabolizing on light. You've been fasting for that nine hours. Mm-hmm. That's why I encourage guys to eat within an hour of waking up in the morning to restabilize that blood sugar. Now, you get up in the morning, you have French toast because it's a cheat day. I love French toast. We had French toast last Sunday. It wasn't a cheat day. We just wanted French toast. So I had, what did I do to balance it out? Oh, I'm going to have those two or three pieces of French toast. I'm going to have three hard-boiled eggs, uh, three scrambled eggs first because the protein and the fat in that is going to help slow the digestion of the carbs. It's not going to make my blood sugar spike. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then I had the French toast. So 
But if you just get up and you just crush a whole loaf of bread as French toast, and you don't have anything to balance that out, or you don't have the knowledge to how to do that, your blood sugar spikes. Now you're in this high part, and now you start to get the jitters when your blood sugar starts to crash, you get lethargic, and then the cravings kick in. So now it's, hey, it's a cheat day, I'm gonna go to the cupboard. I'm gonna go to the cupboard and get the cookies, I'm gonna get the chips, I'm gonna get the pizza, I'm gonna get the, we have a Dairy Queen here, Dairy Queen Blizzard, it's like this big ground up ice cream, right? So. Mm-hmm. Like these are things you fall into this trap and say, it's okay, it's a cheat day. And what you've just done is put yourself in this elevated state of blood sugar where now you're eliminating that blood sugar by releasing insulin. When you release insulin, it takes glucose out of your bloodstream and stores it. And if you store enough of it, you store it as fat. That's not what we want to do. We want to make sure we're balanced so that hormones are balanced. So if your blood sugar doesn't spike, you don't release insulin. And if your blood sugar is too low, so let's say now Monday morning you wake up and you're like, oh, Sunday was a cheat day. I'm just going to go no carbs today. You metabolize while you sleep. You have your protein in the morning. You go low carb, but now your blood sugar is low. And if you get below that 80 and you just can't bring it back up. So all day you're operating from a low point of low blood sugar. So you're releasing glucagon into your bloodstream, starting to break down muscle fibers, trying to get ATP and fuel. Well, muscle is the engine that runs your metabolism. So if you're eliminating muscle, you're eliminating your metabolism. And when you eliminate your metabolism, you start to store fat. It's a vicious cycle. That's why we do the PFC every three, right? So when you have a cheat day, I don't say, hey, if you're going to go off plan, go off plan every meal of the day. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you're going to go off plan, do it every so often. That's fine. But get right back on plan. Like, um, I got a guy right now who went out for an anniversary dinner with his wife. He said, okay, so what am I going to do? I'm, you're going to go on an anniversary dinner with your wife, <laughs> man. Like, stop thinking about the food that much. I love that you love your plan and you want to get results, but you're going to go and here's what you're going to do. If you want to stay on plan in a restaurant, order your protein first, control the portion size. Get your carb, get a light carb because things in a restaurant are designed to taste good. So get a steamed vegetable or get rice or look on their menu. Be that person that says, no, I see you have quinoa. I'm going to get that. Then you get your fats all on the side. Get your sauces on the side so you control the portion sizes. That's if you want to be on plan. If you don't want to be on plan, you go in, you're mindful. It's like, okay, five ounces of protein is about a palm to a palm and a half. So I'm going to stay in that portion size. Five ounces of carbs is about a fist to a fist and a half. Of carbs, I'm gonna stay within that portion size. Fat is like a big thumb. I'm gonna stay within that portion size. And you're mindful of that, but you can enjoy the food. And then three hours later, when you get home, you can have the highest quality, light proteins, fats, and carbs. Maybe it's some, maybe it's a powdered protein shake, or maybe it's a Greek yogurt, or whatever it might be. Maybe some chicken breast if that's your thing. Like. But you're going to balance it out and have some fruit and have some healthy fats with that and just get your blood sugar back to where it needs to be. I definitely see how the education part of it, it, it informs all of it. And once you get the education part of it, it's just in, in it, it's changing a mindset a little bit of in, in there is some freedom in your message, which is great. But yet it's still being mindful of, hey, I'm going to go eat at this restaurant. But, you know, the the palm approximately, you know, for the protein, the palm is just is about the size of five ounces of protein. And if you're going to be on, you know, if you're going to be on plan at a restaurant, uh, you know, I think you said a, a fist and a half, yeah. right. Of, carb, of, yeah. of the carb, which is great. And it's like, this is easy to remember. Yeah. Get your, yeah. Get, get your fat on the side. Like right. that's not hard. I mean, to do that is not hard. And, and that's even if you want to be on plan in a restaurant and just make a couple wise choices along the way. Yeah. And so I'll, if I go out, I love primary, right? So, that's the thing. If we don't go out to eat often, but if we do and I get something that I know, Kim and I, we like wine. So we'll have a glass of wine. If I'm going to have a glass of wine, I know it's going to be metabolized as a carbohydrate, even though from alcohol, you're not going to get those calories for energy, right? Your body just will either store them or secrete them. Mm-hmm. And so I know it's going to be, I just, Hey, glass of wine, that's going to be my carb. So what I'm going to get, I'm going to get the steak, I'm going to get the prime rib, or I'm going to get the burger, and I'm going to get it lettuce-wrapped because everybody does lettuce-wrapped burgers now. I'm going to get a mix, a steamed vegetable or rice on the side, and then, you know, that, that glass of wine. And so that's – it's just – it's about balance and understanding different ways to do it. 
And once you get in tune with, with your plan and your program, it just becomes part of your lifestyle and then you don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. You have given us so many things to think about. And, and what I love about this is you don't have to starve yourself. You know, no, no. it's not a matter of starving yourself and you don't have to have a cheat day because it sounds like when you have a cheat day, you're actually cheating yourself. <laughs> That's actually who you're cheating. You're cheating yourself. You know, I thought about this and we're on the tail end of our podcast, but I'll, I'll have this question, this thought really that came to mind. You know, you said if the vicious cycle, if you have a cheat day and then, you know, Sunday or, you know, just doesn't work out. And then, and then Monday, you know, you go in, you're like, I'm going to do no carb day. You know, you, you set that scenario. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to write my wrongs on Monday and I'm not going to do carbs. I'm just going to do protein. And then if you are also trying to do some things, you know, for your fitness, you're not going to have any energy. No, you're going to be lethargic about two o'clock in the afternoon. You're going to hit that third cup of coffee and, you know, that's another thing. Guys, will, you, they will mask stuff with caffeine. Like, I'm a coffee guy. I have one cup of black coffee with breakfast. Caffeine is an appetite suppressant. It's a stimulant. When you're stimulated, you're not hungry. And when you're not hungry, you're not fueling. So guys will get to that 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe they just ate lunch, but now they got, you know, tired, lethargic. They haven't eaten what they needed to. Their body's not fueled properly. They hit the caffeine. Hey, get the stimulation going. You feel good. I'm not hungry. I don't feel lethargic anymore until that starts to wear off. Mm. Right. And then it's just this up and down balance. I just, that's why I just love the balance of it. You know, you eat balanced, your hormones are balanced. You have more energy. You'll sleep better. You manage stress differently. Right. I think we all know what being hangry is. There's a lot of times people are hangry and don't know it. Yeah. And they manage the stresses around them, whether it's their family or it's their job or whatever it might be. That hangriness, that hormonal imbalance is affecting how they're dealing with that. Mm. So if you're fueling properly, you're being active, which we know is healthy for you, right? And that meant your mental health and being active and the release of, release of endorphins when you're working out. But if you're all in balance, hormones, food, you got some exercise happening, you just manage things come at you that are hard. And you're just like, oh yeah, I got this, right? You're just not easy to jump to that high stress zone either. Yeah. Yeah. I almost think that we need to have another podcast. I would love to, to pick your brain about eating disorders and uh, because you in essence did have an eating disorder. Yeah. In, in an essence. Yeah. You know, it, it just, it looked different. I mean, you were really fit, but yet there was an eating disorder. You, you had a disproportionate view of food. I was starving myself. Yeah. Right. And yeah. some people would call that bulimia. I believe, or, you know, or just anorexia, however, however you processed all that. And I don't know. So maybe we'll do that in the future. But as we kind of wind down today, I want to just give you an opportunity to plug your work. How can people connect with you? If somebody is like inspired by this, I'm inspired by this, but be able to say, you know what? I know that Cam could help me. He knows his stuff. He, he is fit. He, he, wants to put me on a good nutritional track. He has a good relationship with food. He wants me to. How can people connect with you? Yeah, best way to connect with me is social media. Uh, Instagram, at FightTheDadBod. Facebook, at FightTheDadBod. Uh, there's a Fight the Dad Bod page on Facebook. You go ahead. From that page, you can join our private Facebook group. There's a couple questions that you have to answer to get into that private group. But in that group, it's a good community of guys who are there connected, who are supporting each other through their journey. Uh, so social media is the easiest way to connect with me, at Fight the Dad Bod on everything. I'm, you know, I, if you search at Fight the Dad Bod, it's me. So yeah, or <laughs> fightthedadbod.com is my website. But if you want to connect, I'd much rather like see you and talk to you and send you messages like, and social media is a great platform to do that. Awesome. Yeah, I'll link all that in the show notes and people have an opportunity to connect with you. I really thank you for coming on to the show today. You've helped me and I know you've helped a lot of guys and given us a better outlook on food and to help us in nutrition and, and really didn't dig a lot into the fitness side of it. Maybe we'll have you come on and we'll talk about some of your workout plans too. But um, what you've given us is really, really helpful. And I know that we'll be able to take this and put this into action and, uh, and be healthier and the best versions of ourselves. And that's really what we are after, right? Yeah, absolutely. Fit, healthy, fulfilled lives. Amen. I love that. 
So again, thank you so much, Cam, for coming on. And I really appreciate what you do and how you're helping guys and you're inspiring. And, uh, and again, thanks. And I know we'll be connected socially after this, but thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. And if this message and our conversation just inspires one guy to take control of his health, that's all worth it. So thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're signing off for today. I know that Cam has given all of us a lot to think about and to apply. So my recommendation is to get after it. This Men of Iron podcast is brought to you by Men of Iron. If you're interested in getting involved or supporting the vision of changing a culture one man at a time, or you simply want to know more about our Strong 27 mentorship experience, equilibrium retreats, Anchored Man video series, or Men of Iron Plus, go to menofiron.org.